Rush into Chemist Warehouse today and grab INC Protein. Powering tomorrow, today. This is the House of Ats with Cam Luke and John Stephenson. Yeah, most certainly is, wherever you might be. A very warm welcome to you right around Australia via the SN Network. All thanks to Chemist Warehouse. Head into Chemist Warehouse for great savings every day. The man in the house and in the country last week in Thailand, but actually <laughs> on the same land as me today is our man Johnny Steph. Hello, buddy. Okay, and we're back again. We're hey, back. we didn't get hey, we didn't get shut down last week. No, there was I heard there was very high level meetings, but we've been able to get through to week <laughs> two, which is good news. Uh, hey, mate, I ask you, what are you doing in the West? Talk to me. Western Australia. Well, a lot of people wouldn't know this is my birthplace, and this is where I grew up. So, um, it's it's great to be back. But why I'm actually here, the V8 Supercars Round Three is on in Perth this weekend, and. Uh, those that follow my social media know I love uh, my motor racing and I'm um, racing in the super ute. So uh, come down here uh, to, uh, yeah, in, not only enjoy my family and catch up with friends and do this great radio show, House Athletics, yep. brought to you by Chemist Warehouse, but also to race um, as part of the V8 Supercars. So for those who are interested in motorsport and not interested in motorsport and want to do a sporting event this weekend, uh, head down to Wanneroo uh, Raceway and uh, get involved and come come say hi to me and uh, meet some of the stars of the V8 Supercars. So is this the competitive beast in you? You finish one particular career at the highest level and do what you do on the <laughs> athletics track. How did this, I am interested how this all worked because was it, obviously you always liked motorsports, but how, how did you make the transition from athlete to actual driver? Well, that's a good question, Cam. It's funny, I was having a chat last night with my, uh, my very good friend's wife and she asked the exact same question. I think, you know, when you're... Um, you know, when you're an athlete, you see a lot of athletes transition from post-career into golf or they go into mm. cycling or they go into something, mm. another sport. Something safer. Something, something safe. safe. <laughs> well, I think the motorsport is very safe, uh, Cam. <laughs> good, the regulations good. they got now, I that think is it's true. very, very safe. That is true. Uh, but uh, no, for me, you know, I, physically I wasn't good enough anymore to, to compete in my sport. And uh, But mentally you develop all this IQ and this IP um, of high performance. And the motorsport, what's really cool about it, you can – actually use some of that um but your body's not the one doing all the hard work the car is and uh you know you got engineers you got mechanics and you know you got data and it's a lot of the similar things that you do in um in running there's a lot of correlation there so for me i still get to stimulate that high performance side and, and put pressure on myself um it's a little bit more um uh i'd like to say a little bit more um riveting than golf and um and you know i get to do something a passion of mine that i really really love i mean i, I couldn't afford to do this as a kid and I always said to myself, one day, God willing, if I ever got to a position where I could uh, do motor racing, I, I sure would. And in my next life, I'd come back as Lewis Hamilton, a race car driver. Yeah, well, Lewis Hamilton has often said he'd, he'd come back as John Stephenson. So oh, I, do you I, I see that as well. <laughs> I, just, just on this, so it is interesting because you, you mentioned that correlation. I'm a firm believer that the, the best athletes in any pursuit, in any sport right across the world, they do translate a lot, right? That's what you alluded to. And there's so much stuff in particular mentally when it comes to being yeah. disciplined and died and, and having to be able to understand certain things, it does translate regardless of the sport you transition into. Most definitely, Cam. And, you know, some great, really good examples of that, if we look at Michael Jordan baseball, no one could ever understand why is this guy going from basketball to baseball? But he felt that the, the knowledge he has with basketball, he could take it over to baseball, learn the skill set and become great at it. And, you know, you think Bo Jackson all the way back in the day, you know, same thing. Great NFL player, played, you know, I think mm -hmm. he played for the Raiders, if I'm mm -hmm. correct. Or no, was it the Raiders? Um, and then went on to wanting to play baseball as well. So, you know, um, 
I, I just think it's a mindset, yeah? And I think, you know, high performance is high performance, but the skill set's the skill set, correct? So, um, I, th- I, see, I think you see it in a lot of sports, and um, and I think the correlation is the high performance mindset. And and they say a lot of the times as well, a lot of athletes become, you know, mentors in business as well because you take the same ideology of your mindset and you take it into into your workplace and you try to achieve. So, um, yeah, no, I'm really I'm really blessed to have a bit of an outlet, and I think it's really good post you know career if you're looking for athletes you know that are out there that you know thinking of what do I do post my career. There is opportunities, and a lot of people, like I said, go into golf. For some people, going to triathlon. Um, and, you know, go into, you know, cycling and, uh, and I think, yeah, it's a, it's a good little uh, hobby that I have for mine. Just an expensive one, Cam. No doubt. Top three dual sport <laughs> athletes of all time. Bo Jackson, Michael Jordan, John Stephenson. I can already. Uh, hang on, we've got to throw in the great, we've got to throw, hang on, we've got to throw the great Chuck Mundine in there. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, if our man Campbell Brown's listening, of course, Kabaddi captain this country, he'll try and get involved as well. <laughs> you can get involved, zero four double nine seven three six. 736, anytime you like. How do, how do you find it? Like when you roll in as an athlete, I assume there's days where you just know that it's going to be probably hard to get to your optimum performance. Do you, do you find mm. that when you are leaning on the power of the car and engineers as well? Can you? Is it as oh. easy to know when you're not going to have a great day as you would like? It's, it, it's, it, it's so... Um it becomes so obvious you're not going to have a good day. It's the worst. Uh, and, and I think, you know, you know, I, I feel like watching Dry to Survive makes me feel like I'm not going insane. But not, not, that, I'm, not that I'm saying that I'm anywhere near uh, as good as, you know, these great Formula 1 drivers, all, the, all these young up-and-coming drivers that are coming up through the system through Australia. But, um, look, I, I am... I'm a, a a guy that loves motorsport and I'm passionate about it and I try my best to get better at it. But um, but I think I'm very lucky that I have the ability to, well, I had the opportunity to play one sport professionally because I think I deal with a lot of issues better than, say, someone who's coming up in the ranks and fight, facing this adversity within motorsport because there's so much of it. Mm. Uh, you know, it, just learning the track, learning the car, tire grip, braking points, turning points. Uh, throttle inputs. Uh, there's just so many things you got to uh, think of when you're in the car, and then it's not hitting the other person next yeah, to you. You got to drive like, the so, thing still. Yeah, and still drive the thing. So um, I, I think having that that opportunity, having that you know that that mindset again, allows me to sort of uh, um, uh, expedite my learning curve. But it does stop at one at some point where you know my talent, my ambition supersedes my talent. I got to bring it back a bit and drive within myself. But this weekend's going to be very interesting, Cam. Um, new car, uh, new track, and uh, so. But I, we've got a great team at Western Sydney Motorsports, and uh, we'll be working very, very hard to be up the front. Well, thanks to Chemist Warehouse, House of Aths, right around Australia on the SN Network, and uh, of course, jump into Chemist Warehouse for great savings every day. I want to stay on this because there are a lot of people, and I am one of those people who try to keep ourselves in shape, but there are days where you just cannot be bothered. And it's easier to be able to do it if you are just someone who's trying to do it for health and, you know, fitness. A lot of people are right around the world right now. You can take a day off. If, you, if you're like, oh, you know what, I've got too much on yeah. at work, I'm going to skip the gym, or I'm not going to go for that 5K Very or 2 or... Absolutely it is. As a pro athlete, Steph, because there would have been days that you would have been like, oh, today's... Uh. Do you tailor, or does your coach tailor what you do on that particular day, or do you just have to push through it? I think Cam, let's talk about what do I do now. Yeah, I think, okay. I think a lot of the I think a lot of listeners could maybe um, maybe agree or, or can feel relate. what I'm going yep, through, okay, relate perfect. what I'm going through, right? So, um, as an athlete, of course, it's your job. You got to mm-hmm. train, man. I don't care on how you feel. Suck it up. 
it's your job, right? So, so, that's how that was my mindset. So, he's going to hurt. So you still did the same way. If your coach, they didn't read your, you know, your, your levels oh, no. or stuff. So no, no, of that course. That was sort of the question. My coach more went off energy and vibe. So yep. if I came to training, he'd read my body language and, and he'd make adjustments according to my body language. And now I responded to questions. And he was a very smart coach. Yes. And it's one of the reasons why I was with him for 11 years. One of the reasons why he's one of the great, one of the greatest coaches in track and field, Absolutely. Mr. John Smith. Um, you know, so she's working off your energy and vibe, Johnny Steph. I think it'd be an easy job. He is one of the greatest of all time, but your energy and vibe think, are always sky I, high. Like, I think I gave him migraines every day, the poor bloke. I think I aged him like 20 years as being with a step. Um, <laughs> that was that was more away from the track. I'm sure on track you were and, fine. And the reason why you know, like, the reason why you laugh because you hang out with me, so you know. <laughs> You know oh, damn well. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't envy being your coach for as much money there is in athletics right across the world. Oh, well, he did. And, uh, so, talk talk uh, to me about now then, when no, you don't now, have a specific coach. Uh, now, I, I, I um, and this is really, and this is really cool. And, and, you know, Mario at Chemist Warehouse, we had this conversation, really proud of me. This finished London Marathon last oh, weekend. Um, did an awesome job, you know, raised a whole lot of money for charity. And, he, you know, we always talk about our health, right? And I think the pandemic and COVID, we, we I hate talking about this, but you really, for, for, for most of us, it allowed us to take a time to reflect and have mm. a look at our lives, yeah? And, um, you know, for myself, this is really, uh, I, post-retirement, I, what I forgot was I trained every day so I could mm. eat whatever I want, I could drink whatever I want, and nothing really happened. I still stayed in relative shape, but I thought I was in shape. And then I... After COVID, I remember when I went to Europe and I came back and I took a photo, I took some before photos. I was training and I was really struggling in the gym and I was going every day training, but nothing was happening. And I realized that, you know, I was taking my training still like I was an athlete. And then I realized holistically, it's a lifestyle change. So I, I try not to call it training anymore, Cam. I, I look at it like I breathe, I sleep, I shower. I should train. Yeah, that should be part of my day. And everything should be tailored around, you know, what I eat and how that throughout my day. And I work on the 80-20 rule. So 80% of the week, I'm very focused. And 20% of the week, which is normally Saturday and Sunday again, mm-hmm. um, we get stuck in the kernel. Shout out to KFC out there. Cause you know, I love KFC. Anyone <laughs> well, not a sponsor just yet, Cam, they soon will yet. be of the show. I, I haven't told the story about how you actually rang <laughs> KFC in Devonport, Tasmania once and asked them to stay open for us. And great shout out to the crew. They did. You <laughs> they do did. love the kernel. They sure, they sure. And <laughs> I know this remarkable. is a house of, house of wellness, but <laughs> yes. I think everything in moderation, Cam, is Absolutely. important. So the 80-20 rule. So that's what I live by. And I also go with the fact that, you know, it's a lifestyle for me. So I don't look at training as training. I don't, I, I more look at it like I go there. It's great for my mental health. It's great for my, my body. Um, if I get a couple of biceps out of it, fantastic. But mostly it's just about my well-being. And I think it, it's a message that I try and tell a lot of my friends and inspire them. A lot of my mates I say, guys, like, don't look at it as training. It's like you're quick to call me up to go to the pub. You're quick to call me up to go to dinner. Be quick to call me out, go for to the gym, or go for a run, or go play eighteen holes of golf. I'm I'm really down for that. So when it becomes a lifestyle change, Cam, it becomes really easy, and that's sort of how, how I sort of, you know, um, I'm able to get through now without because I had a lot of brain damage. Was you know, you twenty years of of professional sport. The last thing you're thinking about is getting up and having a routine and training. I can give you that tip. So um, I must have to get around that. And I think that your question was, how do you deal with those days when you're down? And I think for the listeners out there, that's that's one way of getting through it, make it a lifestyle change. Be beautifully done. So you train every day. Every day you do something if it's not necessarily the same stuff. Correct. Okay. So except Sunday. Sunday's a holy day I rest. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, but uh, on the for six days a week I will if at bare minimum I'm going for a half an hour walk. At bare minimum. Zero but four, there's always something every day. Zero four 
1116. Get involved, whatever it might be. Because this is interesting. It's very interesting when it comes to, uh, I, I guess, the, the situation around how it all sort of works with people who are at home because they go through these similar things. You, you mentioned COVID and the fact is that people either fall out of a routine or a rhythm yeah. or or take it as a time to realise they need to gain a rhythm. And some people did get into a routine. There were parts of the world where, and in Australia, where you couldn't leave except if you want to go exercise. So they yeah. were actually able to get into a routine where it almost became a, a social aspect of going for that walk for that hour a day. So it's interesting how people have taken on the last two or three years, but very interesting to see what happens going but forward. Most it's not easy Ken, to stay into it either, Steve. Well, 100%. But most importantly, and this is really important, is men's mental health, mm-hmm. right? And I, and I speak on behalf of men because I'm a man. And, and you know, this is something we don't talk about. And and how I inspire my friends and, and, and you know, and, and other, you know, men around me is is it's it's okay to, to – it's not vanity because you want to go to the gym. You, it, it's important for your just general health. Yeah. Like you're able to get out there. Get in, in, in the environments, do some training, it's good for you, and then get back to work. You know, I think it's it's a really important, um, like, again, lifestyle change that, that we should be uh, really focusing on and encouraging. And it's also good for you. You've got family, you've got kids, you know, it's important for your kids to see um, you be a role model, you know, not only, you know, academically, not only in the workplace, but also as far as you're taking care of your health. And I think that's really important for, for our community and our society to be, uh, to be, to inspire one another to do that as well. A couple of things to get into. You did mention mailman Mario from Chemist Warehouse in the London Marathon. We might do what that after that the break. Was. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen to get involved. For Chemist Warehouse, for great savings every day, this is the House of Ask, Cam Luke, John Stephenson, plenty more Ooh. next. Rush into Chemist Warehouse today and grab INC Protein. Powering tomorrow, today. This is the House of Ats with Cam Luke and John Stephenson. Most certainly is. All thanks to Chemist Warehouse right around Australia, wherever you might be. Hello to you. Do it for Chemist Warehouse for great savings every day. A couple of text messages coming in. One in particular I want to ask you, Stephen, a split second, but Mario and a London Marathon, a huge effort on the weekend. Have you ever thought that you're in great shape, you're feeling good? Have you ever thought, or has he ever tried to say, hey, Johnny Steph, we're going oh. to get you running 42Ks? I was very careful not to psych him out and say, mate, please don't. You know, just, I was actually meant to do the London Marathon. Very, my business partner, very good friend of mine, um, Chris McCormack, he uh, he did the London Marathon. Mm-hmm. Chris McCormack, for those that you know, not too familiar uh, with triathlon. He's four-time world champion. Won, I think he won, he won a Y and I, man. I mean, he's mm. won so much. Um, so running a marathon for him is easy, right? Um, so Mario, I actually set up Mario with, with Chris and they were over in London together and, and Chris was like, you should come. And I said, there's absolutely no chance. None? You will see. There he, no, we're talking about the Berlin Marathon in September now, which I said, now seeing Mario finished, I'm thinking, you know what? Maybe I've got a... Uh, Lace up the uh, well, take off the spikes, mate, and the race car shoes, and put on the, uh, <laughs> the Puma this? Puma fast R's, mate. How about this, Johnny Steph? So I was meant to run New York twenty twenty. Okay, on. so I had had the spot through the through a charity, and so I was that's th- big. Yeah, it yeah. was big. It's it's yeah. it's related to early onset dementia and a great family friend. Uh, he'd run it. My sister'd run in two thousand and eighteen. So uh, unfortunately, when a very close family friend passed, just let in me interrupt you, there, Cam. Yes. For those that are listening. You don't, you can't just go do some of no, these you marathons. Can't. You've got to be invited, and there's there's a quota for who yeah. can. You know, you've got to get a qualifying time. So yep. that's why I said to Cam, that's best. Yeah. So or, or you can get York. through via a charity. I'm not running a two thirty marathon for anyone at <laughs> home, which would not be surprising. But 
So, yeah, 2020, the start of 2020 is when we started to train. Of course, then COVID hit. So we haven't yet been able to to do it. We did a lot of fundraising in the in the November of 2020 based in Australia and, and clocking up the Ks. And then got a little bit lazy in 21 and, and, and 22. Uh, and now I'm just on the decision right now if I'm going to do 23. It isn't a tough time with work. I'm a, I, I do a lot of horse racing <laughs> stuff. But if I'm ever going to do it, this year's the year. So, Johnny Steph, if you commit... I'll commit. You want to commit to Berlin? No, I'm going to commit to New York, but you commit to Berlin, I'll commit to New York. Listen, you know the Steph loves the heat. That's only thing that's got me a bit shook about Berlin in September. It'll be a little <laughs> cold. Uh, I love the heat. You know what? I tell you what, heat's all well and good to you running forty two Ks, mate, and then well, maybe will, the see, chilly start might help you a little bit. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I'm talking from a sprinter's mindset, yeah. but what I was telling you about Chris McCorbeck, he called me up and he home, said mate. he was in a world of pain afterwards. Oh. And I'm thinking, mate, you've done an Hawaiian <laughs> Ironman and you're in a world of pain. There is no way in the world I'll be able to get through this forty two point nine kilometers. But I believe um, in you. I, I, I I haven't ruled it out, nah. Cam. And and if if we we will we'll work through this over we the will. next few weeks, right? In on what on what we commit to, because I'm I'm very careful about this one. Because normal, I don't mind having a little bit of a small bet, mm. um, but I'm careful about this one, Cam. Because I like to win, mate. I, well, I don't like to well, lose. For a start, I'm not going to run a faster time than you, and it's 42 k's. So I think being careful is the <laughs> number one motto that should be when you're undertaking a marathon. Be it your first or your tenth or your twentieth or Whatever it might be. Okay, and uh, while we're talking about London Marathon, we should give a shout out to Brett Robinson and, oh. and Madi- Madison De Rosario. She, she she won the the, the wheelchair How race. How was and... the finish? One second separating them, Steph. Unbelievable. Oh, mate. It's, she's amazing. And everything she's doing for the sport is so, so good and so big. We should really get around uh, Madison. She's a lovely, 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 lovely girl. And Brett Robinson, what was great about Brett was um, he beat the, the great Mo Farah. Mm. Mo Farah's last London Marathon. And for Brett, that's 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 a huge scalp for people that don't know, you know, marathon running or even athletics. Um, he took on a class field out there. And it's a tough gig, and um, and yeah, Brett's doing very well. Broke the strain record last year, and um, he's one to watch. And and I'm 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 ho- I mean, you think the strain record that he, that he broke last year, and yep. who who ran before him? The great Lee Troop. Yep. The great De Costello. Mm-hmm. The great Monaghetti. Mm-hmm. And the Australian record holder for the marathon is now the great Brett Robinson. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, fantastic effort by him and uh, looking forward to watching it, him. Or a lot of Australian middle distance, a long distance, of course, when we're talking marathon, has had great 2022s. Brett Robinson, of course, leading it. Sinead Diver in the, in the, Diver. In the, in the female side of, of things as well. They just all found form or in great form, all announced themselves on world stages at a similar time. And that's exciting when we're talking about a world championship, when we're yeah. talking heading towards the Olympics, and we're talking about, you know, a situation yeah. where they can inspire. Now, I'm not 100% certain they'll be around for 2032 when it comes yeah. to Brisbane, but the fact is they're going to inspire some of these athletes who may already be yeah. running at a high level or a little bit below due to their age when we get to 2032 and they're running through the streets of uh, the streets of Brisbane. Green and gold yeah. is going to be everywhere, and that's... That's outstanding for but the sport. I think, yeah, 100%. And I think it's outstanding for the sport when, you know, there's people behind these athletes. And and, and, and the name that sticks out for me is, is Nick Badeau, you know, mm. famously known for coaching Craig Mottram, um, Kathy Freeman. And he's a guy that's continually helping these young athletes come up and continually feeding Australian athletics with these distance runners. And, you know, and again, he's doing it, right? And, and I think 
this is important and why we have the show is to tell these stories on how these athletes get there as well. And, um, and when you start talking 2032, um, that legacy Nick's creating, you know, through, through your, your, your Ryan Gregson's, your Jen Lacazes, your Collis Birmingham's, Collis is now a coach, Craig Mottram's now a coach, mm. <laughs> you see, and, and that knowledge gets passed down. Now we talk 2032, yes, Brett Robinson might not be there, but Sinead Diver might not be there, but they might be coaches, Ken. Mm-hmm. And this is how our sport grows and gets better. And this is why it's important to support and tell these stories. So then they can start making livings out of this sport. And, um, and then, you know, we start to build this pathway of greatness, especially coming for 2032. It's really important for us if you want to have a successful games. I'm um, like we had in Sydney 2000, where we see Aussies, not only, not only we don't have to win, but they're in the front take on the world. It's the House of Arts right around Australia for Kemmer's Warehouse. Head into Kemmer's Warehouse for great savings every day. Off the text, and this is a really good question. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, 44-6? Was that your 73. Elite? 70, 44-73, was it? Who's counting? What, 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 was that your PB? Yeah. Okay, so 44-73 in 2006. What do you reckon you do? This person off the text hasn't given us a name, so make sure you always do. <laughs> what do you reckon you do a 400 year now? <laughs> Like, like, I'll give you, I'll give you two weeks. Should we do it? You know what we I'm should do? We should do it. We should do it one day. Do you think I can break then, a minute? Yeah, you'll break a minute. You reckon? You'll just break a minute. Yeah. Just. And I reckon I'll just break a minute. <laughs> I promise you. I, 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 I would not, I would not, I reckon if I don't tear a hamstring before I finish, mm-hmm. I'll just break it. I reckon I could run maybe focused, stretched up, yeah, bit of physio yeah. that week, yes. or are we talking cold, straight in? No, 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 no. I, I think it's ridiculous just to suggest that you just walk off the plane and do a 400. But I, I think that, how about, how about we, when are you in Melbourne next? Whenever you're in Melbourne next, or you All and right. I are in the same city, what yeah. we will do, we'll, we'll, have a, uh, we'll have a period of time <laughs> of which we'll be able to half prepare. I'll, right. I'll, I'll uh, borrow a pair of spikes from someone. We'll get the starting spikes, blocks out. That's correct. Yeah, and You'll away we go. We'll get down yep. the, to whatever city we're in. But if it's Melbourne, where we're, we're on okay. base, we'll get down to Lakeside. We'll get That's the it. camera around. All thanks to Kemmer's Warehouse. We'll do 400 <laughs> and see what time. Because I'd be very, I reckon you'd run legitimately a 55 or a 56. I, I, I was thinking that number. Mm-hmm. I think, again, I warned you last week, do not let Cam fool you listeners that he sort of doesn't know track and field. He knows what's I, going I, on. I do. He knows what's going I, I, on. But, I think you'd run a 55 or a 56. Yeah, I'm pretty confident. Look, 55, 56, that means I've got to run, say, 28 second 200s. Mm-hmm. And I think 28 second 200s, 14 second 100s. Yeah, I, I think I could get there. I, but I, it'll be a straight. I, I, I will be in a world of pain at the end. All right. And I reckon I'll, I'll have a, a couple of hamstrings hanging on. I okay. Think. Well, you did famously, and I mentioned this last week, the the, the, the race you had. Someone challenged you at, in Tassie one day, but you beat him, but you did twig up that ended bit. up. I was limping the rest of the night, Cam. <laughs> he kept telling me, on the, oh, I've done a great two, Amy. Like, Mate, I don't care. You won the race. Uh, all right. Well, that, that, lock that in. Straight to KFC. Lock that in. <laughs> and you can text it anytime you like, 0433981116. Did you ever think about doing 400 hurdles? Did anyone ever say, get over the sticks? I had a hard time getting around the track just with no obstacles in my way, Cam, let alone putting obstacles. But I did think about it at one stage. When you get in your career and you mm-hmm. start to not run as well in your pet event, you yep. start looking for other reasons on how you can get better. And you do start thinking 800s and four hurdles. But the reality was it's, it, it, when you get to that elite level in the, in the top 1%, it's an acquired skill you got to learn over time if you want to be the best in the world. And I told you in the last episode, when I – I started track and field. My whole goal was to be the best in the world. And yes. if I wasn't going to be the best, I wasn't going to go. So, um, yeah, I, I think I would have left it too late. But, yeah, the thought sort of came through my mind. But 
Um, I think 400 was was my calling, and um, and I think yeah, I did the best I possibly could in just that, that event. I, I think it's a smart decision you didn't do the 800 meters, Steph, because sitting Can in the stands, that? I think the one 800 I meters. One. Yeah, I did one mate. Where at? Lap. In Sydney, I raced against the. His name is Dwayne Solomon, American mm-hmm. champion, and um, we went out in. I should have like you when you when you run at 800, you meant to conserve energy. Would make so sense. Yeah, and, and run a conservative mm-hmm. first lap, especially if it's your first 800, and then you want to build and come home strong. What'd you go but out in? 50, I think 50, <laughs> 50 point or 50, 51 dead or something. But you like weren't that. pacing, you were actually nah, in the No, because event, I saw right? Dwayne Solomon, I thought, he can, he's in my town, mate. He's from America. What are you doing? I don't care if you're the American champ. Get out of here. When did you and know just, you were in I, real mate, trouble? When did I you fell know apart you were in real like trouble? a cheap suit, man. With, <laughs> with 400 to go. I fell, <laughs> I fell apart, man. It was the worst day of my oh. life. Oh, And then after that day, I said, you know what, Johnny? It could be a wrap, man. I, you need to just, uh, <laughs> stay in your lane, as they say in track and field. Stay in your lane. I'm telling you, legitimately, I believe the 800 metres is the toughest event in world athletics. Let's not get silly, Cam. No, I'm, t- now, I'm telling you. you so is it a sprint or is it a middle distance? That's middle distance, is mate. It? Is yes, it? It's middle distance. The, the speed yeah, well, that they a, go a, out on. Oh, you'd want to say it's a out. long sprint. No, no, you want to oh. say it's, but no, it's not oh. because there's an element of endurance there. Absolutely. Their training is is, Absolutely. is is usually based on endurance. Mm. Um, you know, we're, we're at 400 metres. It's a long sprint. Oh. That's where it stops, man. Like we're the, we're the, the hardest, truest sprinter is the quarter miler, mate. That's what it is. Have you got another one of your uh, innovations? Not exactly, but you'll see what I mean on the other side of it. Uh, Lord Sebko, I think he dropped me a DM during the week. He liked my idea (laughs) about cross-country, but we'll touch on that later in a couple of months' time. Heading to Chemist Warehouse for great savings every day. Plenty more with Johnny Steph next. Rush into Chemist Warehouse today and grab INC Protein. Powering tomorrow today. This is the House of Ats with Cam Luke and John Stephenson. Well, thanks to Chemist Warehouse right around Australia and, to be honest, the world. If you're listening to us via the SEN app or jump on YouTube, we do it all thanks to Chemist Warehouse and head into Chemist Warehouse for great savings every day. Now, Johnny, Steph, I don't essentially have a idea, but I do want to talk about something that you are a major part of. You're the driving force behind Nitro Athletics here in Australia back in 2017. So there's a couple of little things around it. Where did it all start? Where did the idea form to do it? Because it was, and for people who may not be aware, Google it, YouTube it, check it out. It was huge. How did it all work for you to get to that particular three-meet situation? Yeah, it was a great time for Australian athletics, and it was a great time because we got to have the great Usain Bolt in our country and uh, to inspire the, you know, he inspired not only, um, you know, the Australian sporting public because they like to see and learn about him, but also he created some stars, which we talk about today. Like mm. Riley Day was a young 16 year old girl who became, you know, one of our best 200 mid runners is still running today. So, uh, um, it, it, that's a very, you know, I always had, like, I always liked difference in my life. And even when I was running personally, I, I always liked to create difference. And, um, because I, like I said, I cut my teeth in America and I realized, you know, with American sport, they did that quite well. Right. And, um, and I was, you know, I found myself on the board of Athletics Australia and um, our chairman at the time, Mark Arbib, uh, was also a bit of a disruptor as well. And I remember we had, we had uh, dinner at Nobu and Crown and we talked about uh, my involvement in the board and, and whether I wanted to be involved. And then we talked about how can we disrupt athletics and this, this idea of putting on athletic meet that was completely different was formed or at least discussed. Um, and then from there, you know, the steps was taken to, to how do we create this? And there was many people involved, you know, from 
Glenn Turner was the CEO of Ask Victoria. We were, I worked very hard with him putting together the athletic uh, uh, competition structure um, from Dave Colbert and Sam Colbert from Jump Media with, with helping us with the media side of things. Um, through Darren Gosher, who became our CEO of Athletes Australia. And I give these people shout outs because they were involved in also Mark Abib and, you know, Kerry Stokes, you know, um, you know, the media mogul Kerry Stokes was, you know, a big, you know, angel investor in, 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 in our sport through Nitro, um, as well as all our partners and sponsors. And, you know, and I say this because it's really, really important that these things don't get created without, you know, many people in the background helping out for this to form and, and it helped change our sport because from, from Nitro Athletics, we were the first competition to have um, mixed relays where women ran against mm. men. And at the time, we really got criticized for it. They're going, this is not going to work. How can you have a 16-year-old girl run against Usain Bolt? Um, history now shows that, you know, mixed relays are in the Olympic Games. So this all started in Melbourne, Victoria, Australia. Guys, I'm not saying it was the first mixed relay that happened in the world, but it was definitely the first competition where you had a megastar like Usain Bolt, you had top athletes like, you know, like Jack Hale and Riley Day and those people racing against one another in the competition where there was other countries competing in a mixed relay. So this was all, this all stemmed at the back of Nitro Athletics. And this is the importance of change. And this is what frustrates me with federated sports is that they don't like to make these sort of changes, but change is needed in order to captivate the viewer and the consumer and the person that's going to purchase tickets. It's, it's important to be able to be agile and make those adjustments with keeping the purity of the sport, which we never disrespected the sport. We never took a, took, make a mockery of the sport, but we definitely changed the inter entertainment factor mm. of the sport. So for instance, um, the, the, we, which I won't, I won't say the event because I know you love this event. I'll wait for you to tell the, tell the viewers, but we had difference in not only mixed relays, but long jump, uh, the javelin, we had the javelin throw where you could throw into a circle to get extra points. So you could throw for accuracy or you can throw for distance. Now, this allows for someone who's maybe going to come ninth, be able to win the javelin by being more accurate than the guy that throws further, which helps the team. There's more of a teams-based element to the, to, Nitro con, um, to the Nitro concept, which then made it, made it, made it you know, interesting for the viewer where they could pick up an episode of Nitro halfway through and see the points and still follow what's going on. Where most of the time you watch track and field, once the 100 meters is done, I mean, you don't know what you're looking for. Sure. So there's many facets to to Nitro, which made it great. And there was many people that helped out to, to get it off the ground. And, and then, like I mentioned earlier, the great Usain Bolt supported it in Australia. Um, and then also the IAAF, they ended up, ended up purchasing Nitro Athletics and we're still waiting to see what they're going to do with it. it well, well, now called World Athletics. At the time, it was IAAF. Just, we are waiting, and I think it was great. And the, I think the event you allude to, we've had this conversation. I legitimately believe the Elimination Mile is the greatest <laughs> athletics event it's ever been created. It? It, it's amazing. And for people who, who may not know what the hell it is, Google it, YouTube it. But if you're last, you're out. You're out, You're and you've out. got you've got to get around. You've got to be very strategic about it without burning all your bridges, but knowing that if you are the person at the back of the field, when you get to the point, you're gone. And I, I thought it was br – whose idea was that? So – Like, how did that come about? Because that is so, a brilliant so, idea. So, so it was – I'd like to say it's, it was my idea, mm -hmm. but Glenn and I were sitting in the room in Ask Victoria, and, you know, you're throwing ideas around. And, and whether I said it first or Glenn said it first, I'm not going to – so now, but we, we sat and we created these different events together and, um, and that was one of them, which, 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 which ended up working out. Yep. And, and, um, uh, it was, I, you gave me shivers. I remember when it first happened, I, we were a bit apprehensive of how the hell is this going to look? 
because in my head, I knew how it should play out that a guy that knows he can't say beat Orion Gregson or he can't beat, say, those uh, Jakob Ingebrigtsen. What I would do is the first lap, I'd go out as hard as I can and hope that he doesn't, that he falters. Off the back. Off the back. He's gone. And he's gone. Hey. And then now I just have to, in another three laps, I have to try and get my energy back to win this thing now. Mm-hmm. But everyone's going to be gassed because they would have chased me. Yep. So we're all in the same position. So what you saw in the race, for those who haven't seen it, and, and I do say YouTube and have a look, uh, you found people almost going to a crawl after that first lap trying to get their energy back. Absolutely. And then all of a sudden, 200 to go, they were sprinting again. It just, it was really, really cool to watch, if you ask me. And 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 um and and I think, yeah, Sam, I think that's one of the innovations I, I'll support. I I legitimately understand the you know the the heats in the semifinals at major tournaments, but imagine elimination, imagine elimination mile at major oh. tournaments where oh. it means that every single race matters. So if you are the best in the world and you've You've clocked a 328, 1500, and you're by far the world leader. You can't yeah. just coast through a heat in a semi final. No. Now, you might find it a little easier than others, but you've got to be switched on. And that but necessarily even, even, means, even then, yeah. Cam, let me. Even I love in, it. In, even even in, 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 in that top level running, yes, he's a 326.50, yeah, and he might have a little bit more reserve mm-hmm. than anybody else. But. He's learned to run that through pacing. He's learned to run that through having, you know, through, you know, building this metronome in in, in consistency Mm -hmm. on how to get those sort of times and and you get confidence. If you throw in a lap that you've never done before, it's a different style of training, man. Absolutely. You know, you might get a stronger style uh, runner like your Ryan Gregson, for instance, or your your Stewie McSwain, where he can't sprint Stewie so much like your like your other distance runners from 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 Africa and from Eastern Europe, where but he's got a huge engine, so he might just go out one solid pace the whole way around and try and break them. You know, you just don't know, right? So um, it's really interesting. And I think that's that's something in the world we live in now with all the social media and all these mediums I, and trying to keep the attention span of people. I, I think, you know, it's something interesting, Cam. I do agree with you. So who is running World Athletics right now? Is still Seb Coe? No, yeah. So Seb Coe is still the, the chairman and then yes. John Ridgeton is the CEO of, of World Athletics. Uh, and, I, um, I think we, and, need, we need to get Lord Seb on at some point and, and well, push this. We, we should, while Mario's in London, we should just get him to dart in there. He was able yeah. to make this great radio show, Cam, yep. dart in the World Athletics and just say, look, guys, John and Cam. It's time. It's time. Yeah, because you know I've spoken to Seb Coe about this. You're joking. No, around Nitro, well, I, I was I doing radio and I <laughs> yeah, raised it and he said that it's already been pushed, which I assume was you. And uh, and he goes, I'd love to see. Of course, he's a middle distance guy, like one of the greats of all time. So he would love that con. I, I, it is the one that I would love to see. Absolutely. But can you imagine if you, oh. yeah, at the other games, yeah, you have you have like the bear, yeah, Stuart McSwain, Jakob Ingebrigtsen, oh. you have the Kenyans, and it's like they're all there, and, and you just don't know who's going to do. No what, idea you know, because you know what? And what if what if one of the best, one of the Kenyans, gets just oh, just God. gets left for a lap in a semi? He gone. He gone. He ain't getting there to try and challenge for a gold medal. I, I, I think it'll be brilliant. For Chemist Warehouse, make sure you head in there for great savings every day. John Stephenson, Cam Luke, right around Australia via the SEN Network. This is a House of Ats. Rush into Chemist Warehouse today and grab INC Protein. Powering tomorrow, today. This is the House of Ats with Cam Luke and John Stephenson. Right around Australia, Johnny Stephenson, Cam Luke. We do it all thanks to Chemist Warehouse. And yes, as always... Johnny Steph, we don't we love the best athletes in the country saying, yeah, we'll have a chat to you. And uh, the same thing's happened today. Tanil Craig's going to join us, who is one of the best athletes, heptathletes, and emerging athletes as we head towards some major championships, including Paris 
in 2024. Tanil, hello to you and welcome. Hey, thank you for having me, guys. Hey, hey Tanil. Hey, uh, we're just talking off air. You, 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 you train tour days, and Johnny Steph shuddered at the thought of it. How do you, how do you go? Get up morning, doing your thing, bit of break in the day, and then going back into it. How's it all doing? Yeah. Yeah, it's not looking too bad. I'm actually preparing to head overseas in two weeks. Um, I've got a competition in Austria called in Gotsis, and that's my first competition that I'm heading over to. And then followed by another heptathlon in three weeks after that in Radigan in Germany. That's fair. So you trained by Glynis Nunn, that's correct, yeah, Tanil? Yeah, that's correct. So we we chatted to Amelia Search last week, and so you guys are train, training partners, and she's creating a bit of a squad out there, Glynis. Yeah, yeah, we've got a massive um, multi-event squad at the moment with um, a few few girls and a few boys sort of emerging through as well. And yeah, Amelia is one of my training partners and it's, it's absolutely phenomenal watching her coming through the ranks as well. Just on, obviously, in multi-events, but is there a specific event that you enjoy more or is it one that you couldn't quite narrow it down and you, you realise you had skill at a number? How, how does it all work when you're trying to work? You're going through a little athletics, you're, you're obviously extremely talented. How, does, how do you end up on a multi-event compared to just a specific individual event yeah sure so i actually when i came through little athletics and into junior athletics to begin with i was actually a sprint hurdler um and i sort of built my strengths in the hurdles and then it wasn't until early 20s i just like discovered the heptathlon and thought i'd give that a go considering i was really good at the, the sprints and the jumps as a junior um so yeah i i believe my hurdles and my long jump are my strongest events um, I was going to ask that. On my throws, though. Yeah, I was going to ask which events you thought you were strong events and which events you feel you can gain extra points. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, my my javelin is one of my weakest events, but unfortunately, well, fortunately for me, in most heptathletes, javelin isn't the strongest event for everybody. So, um, yeah, that's a bit fortunate for me. But yeah, it's just working on my throwing um, technique at the moment and trying to build like a really strong base with that because I never grew up with the throws um, when I was a junior. Com Games last year, I just want to ask you about Birmingham because it was, it's, it's been a really weird time for everybody, but an athlete competing in certain events and, and sometimes having no crowd there is, is, is incredibly unique. But Birmingham, they, they came out, of course, on the back end of COVID and it was sold out. What was it like, one, Commonwealth Games and, and having a taste of a, of a major, major competition, but two, having the crowds there after what had been a little bit different in a, in a short time previous? Yeah, definitely. Look, going to the Commonwealth Games was absolutely phenomenal, um, especially after COVID and, yeah, all, all the crowds not being there at those major championships. So rocking up to the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham was absolutely mind-blowing. As soon as I walked out onto the track for the hurdles, the crowd was just roaring. And honestly, you couldn't hear yourself really think um, because it was just so loud in that stadium. Um, but it sort of just gave you goosebumps and, and it really sort of... Um, got you going and got you excited to actually compete um, when you just had that crowd around you. So for the listeners that uh, that aren't uh, so knowledgeable or around the heptathlon, these are the events that uh, Tanil has to do for two days. The 100-meter hurdles, the high jump, the shot put, the 200-meter sprint, the long jump, javelin throw, and the 800 meters. Tell us, Tanil, when you get to the 800 meters after two days... <laughs> And you don't have a crowd like Birmingham. How, <laughs> how do you get through those two laps? Because I just did 800 once. We just talked about it earlier and I died. So uh, how do you get through that to deal? Yeah, um, I try not to think too much about the pain that is going to happen. Um, and how I try <laughs> to think about it is, 
Look, the 800, you're going to experience some pain, let's be honest. It, it's one of those events where you, you might as well go hard and feel the pain and run a good time rather than run it a bit slower, run a, a bad time and still feel the pain. So I just try to go into it that I'm just going in there and just giving it everything that I've got. And I try to just think of it 200 metres each time rather than the whole two laps, um, just breaking it down into those, uh, 200 meters what seconds i've got to run in those splits and that's how i get through <laughs> the uh, i two like laps. your i like your approach Tenille. Tenille, you see you cut your teeth in little athletics um i'm a very proud alumni of little athletics uh what was your club and uh and and tell us a little bit how you got involved in little a's and uh and uh how it sort of shaped you now in your career Absolutely. So I started at um, Jimboomba Little Athletics when I was in under eight um, and then progressed to Beanley Little Athletics um, when I was in the under 13 age group, only because at that time they were the only club in Queensland that did Friday nights because they had lights and now every other club um, nowadays has lights and they, they um, compete on Friday nights. Um, and yeah, that was sort of the starting point to my athletics career. I was doing um, horse riding, basketball, swimming, cross country, all these other sort of sports at school. And I never really um, met athletics until I started at Little Athletics. And I just grew such a passion and love for the sport that it's pretty much what started my journey and how I um, developed as an athlete and where I am today. So it was either being a jockey or a heptathlete. Is that what you're telling us, Tanil, when you talk about what you were doing early? <laughs> you're talking yeah, Cam's yeah. language, Tanil. <laughs> you most certainly are. <laughs> he heard jockey and he just spruced <laughs> up in his chair. He was like, why are horse racing? Yeah, I'm a bit tall for, to be a jockey, I must admit. Um, I, don't, I don't think that career would have worked out for me, but I always get the... Um, the funny jokes of, um, oh, should I be a, a modern pentathlete? Um, so, yeah. all the disciplines yeah. and that. So, um, funnily enough, I, I do majority of those different events. So, I'm sure that might be a career down the track, but uh, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> Tanil, were, were you considering retirement after Birmingham? Yeah, that was, um, so I actually retired in 2020 due to a number of different things. COVID was the most significant reason. Um, I had broken my big toe and I had uh, surgeons and doctors say to me um, running and jumping and doing what I do was near impossible um, without surgery Um, and then plus my coach was very very sick in at the beginning of 2020 as well so I didn't see really um, a purpose in athletics during that time Um, and it wasn't until after um, after COVID um, sort of was diminishing a little bit and and events started popping up again. Uh, My coach called me up and said, well, what are you going to do? Are you going to go for the Commonwealth Games or you can pretty much kiss it goodbye? And I decided to quit my full-time job at that time and get back into training because unfortunately you can't be half in, half out. You've got to be fully committed to it. And that's what I did. Um, And it was definitely the right decision to make. Well, it's the right decision uh, for everyone who loves athletics and seeing you compete at the highest level. And uh, we appreciate the fact that you've taken a little bit of time out to have a chat to us today. You've obviously got a big couple of months. And then, of course, we've got the Worlds and then into Olympic Games in 2024. We look forward to watching your journey as you head towards Paris in just over 12 months' time. Uh, Tanil, thank you. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Anytime. Superstar, Tanil Christ. There you go. And I assume at some point, Steph, just before we say goodbye to you, I assume at some point you thought about uh, retiring or 
Because I assume it happens to all athletes, right? Every lactic day on a Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> Every Tuesday. Every lactic Tuesday. I was like, what am I doing this for? Running, running anti, was anti-clockwise, anti-clockwise for a job, chasing my shadow. With three, like, what am I doing? With 380 metres to go in that 800 metres, you're like, this is oh, it for me. I'm oh, done. Over. Uh, what have I done? <laughs> we're getting out of here. you got to think, we've got, we've got some big decisions to make. We've got a 400 yeah. metres head-to-head Oof. and marathons to discuss. So we'll do that before we reconvene this time next week. All thanks to Kemmer's Warehouse. Head to Kemmer's Warehouse for great savings every day. Johnny Steph, we'll see you next week. Thank you, my brother.